Good evening. What's good, everyone? Matt here from UK Nets Fans, and I'm joined by Ada McConaughey and Cammy Anderson for another episode of BKT UK, the British Brooklyn Nets podcast. We're back. It's Sunday, the 10th of October, and today we're chatting about the latest news around surrounding Kyrie Irving joining the team this season, some preseason action, some actual basketball to talk about against the Lakers and the Bucks, and undoubtedly much, much more. Make sure you're following us on Twitter and Instagram at UK Nets Fans, the pod itself on Twitter at BK2UKPod, and check us out on YouTube where you can watch all of our episodes. Uh, with that out of the way, let's get into it. And unfortunately, we got to start with Kyrie Irving, and it's a, it's a saga that seems to be going on and on and on. Um, but as of Friday, um, Shams told us that the latest situation was that New York City had determined the Brooklyn Nets practice facility, HSS Training Center, is a private office building, uh, meaning Kyrie, or Kyrie Irving can practice at home. Um, originally, he wasn't allowed to train or take part in any team activities in New York, meaning you know he wasn't even allowed in the building, so he could only play road games, not even train with a team. Um, however, about literally about two hours before we started recording, um, Greg Logan from Newsday came up with some absolute fire uh, on Twitter saying that Kyrie Irving practiced today with the Nets. He's not going to Philadelphia to face the Sixers on Monday night. This was his last chance to play before regular season opener in Milwaukee. Steve, uh, Steve Natch admitted it's possible that Irving might come off the bench, but no firm decision has been made yet. Lads, it's been so long since we've spoken to each other, but... Um, we, I guess we've got to get right into it. How, what do you think about um, about this whole Kyrie Irving situation? Yeah, I mean, I guess you can start with the, the news that's came out. Obviously, Kyrie can, can train with the Knicks, which is a, a huge boost and a huge development in the story because we weren't even sure if that was going to be possible. And I don't know about you guys, I, I personally think it would have been a step too far and probably slightly harsh on other players if they were going to get let Kyrie play in games without even training with the team. I don't think it's something they would have done anyway. I think it would have been completely stupid because he, he has to train with the team to be able to go and play games, in my opinion. So, yeah, I don't think that was going to happen. So it's certainly, certainly a boost. But, I mean, what's been talked about on Twitter has been a crazy story. It's just everyone's chipping in with their opinion. And I've kind of been of the opinion where I'm looking at the facts and, and what it means for the Nets. And obviously, the whole thing is... Kyrie's not going to be able to play for 45 games, 44, 45 games this season. And it's looking more and more likely every single day that that's going to be the situation. That Do I wish that Kyrie was vaxxed and able to play every single game? Of course, but he's not. And that's obviously his choice. And we can't change that. No one can change that. And if anyone could change that, in my opinion, I think it would have happened already. I think that, that boat sailed. I think it's too late now. So it looks like he's not going to be there. And I think... The, the thing that's kind of getting me is the report that, that Woj came out with not too long ago, a couple of days ago, where he said that the Nets are going to have to make some really hard decisions about Kyrie and they're prepared to make those decisions. And for me, it's what does that mean? What does that mean? Is he going to play at all? Like, that's, that's a question that's going to have to be asked because if you're only playing for 39 games and you're missing all these other games you're going home away, home away. We know how the NBA works, especially when it comes to playoff time, where you're literally home away, home away. How disruptive is that going to be to the team? We've already seen situations in the playoffs where, 
I mean, let's face it, we, we lost the NBA Championship last year because the consistency wasn't there with injuries. If Harden was fully fit, if Kyrie didn't get injured, we would have been in a much better situation because we would have been more consistent. Do they want to take that risk where Kyrie's going to be in, out, in, out, changing lineups, almost having to do twice the tactics work that they would have to do normally because they have to do lineups with Kyrie, lineups without Kyrie. It's going to be really, really difficult. And it's just them making that decision. Are we going to go down that route or are we going to play him? And I, I don't know. I, I You could potentially make an argument for both where you could say, look, we want to run with the guys that we can play for 82 games in the playoffs. And, and that's the way it is. But then you've got the questions of what are we going to do with Kyrie? How long is this rule going to last? Is it going to go into next season? We we don't know at the moment. So, or you've got the opportunity where Kyrie can play for thirty nine games and Kyrie's one of the best point guards in the league. That's that's another thing. Why would you turn down thirty nine games of that? So, there's so many questions that need to be answered. And at this moment, I you've just got to pray that something changes. But I can't see. New York as a state changing that rule because why would they change it for one guy? Despite you being Kyrie Irving, I don't think it really matters who it is. They're they're not going to change that. And the only thing that can really change is Kyrie changing his mind. And I can't see that happening. So we're just going to have to wait and see what the Nets are going to do. I, I, th- I think that's interesting that he's not going to play in Philly. I, I thought he would have done. So you don't know if that's maybe the shape of things to come or potentially it was just too early with the the rules training in terms of um, him getting to practice. But yeah, so I've given a very kind of political answer there where I, I don't really know, but it's just there's so many unanswered questions still and we start a week on Tuesday. So who knows? I think it will be the case. We'll always have these questions about the situation. There's, as you say, I think the tactic one, tactics one's a brilliant one. How how can you have a guy playing in home games, whoever that is, it kind of fills in for Kyrie. And that guy will know, as soon as we go away, I'm punted out the team. Yes, as much as been, a lot's been made of the fact the team all looked together, there certainly wasn't any discontent in the practice in the park. All, all the guys were vibing with Kyrie, having a good laugh for him. But then you've there, there's no way a player can sit there and go, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm totally happy playing all the home games, but getting punted just because he's, through his own personal choice, and we've got to respect that personal choice, decided to not get the vaccination. But... He, that, it's going to cause disruption no matter what we look at it. It's already kind of caused some disruption. We don't really know what's happening. A lot of the media attention is once again on Kyrie. And it, some would maybe say that would help. It takes the pressure off of other players, whilst Kyrie may not even play at all. And people just say things about him as they always do. And that, that might help the Nets and take take some pressure off us. But it's just come on. I, like, I'm not going to try and force him. It's selfish. And we, when you're a fan of a team, I think you'd kind of broadly said this in your column for Nets Public, Matt, about you try to make exceptions because it's your team. You want to kind of make excuses and try to find positives, but I can't find any positives to this situation. There's it is three guys who've, who are vaccinated with a team who are fully vaccinated. You, you want to just see everyone move on. Yes, New York have, have changed and relaxed some rules which have ultimately allowed Kerry to, to train, but the chances of them changing everything so soon, I, I, I can't see that happening. Eventually, perhaps a few years down the line when COVID's maybe not as big a, a thing as it is at the moment, rules might be different. And yeah, this will be something of the past and forgotten about. But I, I should say, I want nothing more than see Kyrie playing every game that he can play. When you've got a player like that, it's it's, it's not something you could just go, yeah, we'll not play you. But 
at the same time, the Nets do have a really tough decision to make. Do, do they just say to him, no, you're not playing, you get the Vax, the other guys have got it, or do they ultimately trade him? There's been a few trade talks, I can't see it. There was also the Stephen A. Smith thing, and we know he can be a bit hit and miss with the Nets news and kind of the, the talk on KD might like the Nets trade Kyrie. It's it's just a mental situation, and yes, we've got KD and Harden, and that alone should be enough to, to lead us to a championship, but you want Kyrie to be there and, and playing a big part in, in his hometown team winning the championship at the end of the season. Yeah, I think the, the news today that like he is allowed to train in Brooklyn has almost made it a harder decision in my mind because if it was he can't train in New York, he can't play in New York, so he can only train and play on the road, I think that would have been a stretch too far. I think weirdly... Given given how good Kyrie is, because he can train with the team, but he's only essentially sitting every other game, there's almost like a, we might be able to make this work in a weird kind of way. So I think it, it it's almost confused it a bit more. But yeah, I would just, I just want to wake up to the news that he's got vaxxed and he can play. And, and like you say, I don't think there's any other team that's in a position like we are where we could lose a guy that averaged 27 points per game on 50, 40, 90 splits and still be all right and still be like one of the top favorites for the, for the title, which is, you know, it's a nice position to be in, but it would just make it a heck of a lot easier. Um, this kind of brings us on to, we got a, a listener question um, that deals with this. Let me just find it from Sam uh, via Twitter. He said, first off, uh, he said, all right, guys, Hope you had a good summer. I've got some list of questions. Should we trade Kyrie? I love the guy, but I think it's going to be too big of a distraction going for a championship. This team needs a break. Love the content, Sam. Sam, we love you. Thank you very much. But yeah, it just got, goes off the back. There's a lot of Ben Simmons chat going on. Um, and Aiden, you make a great point. And just like, do you, is 41 games of Kyrie Irving better than 82 games of someone with half the output. Do you know what I mean? It's just, it's a tricky one. Cammy, I'll go to you first, but do you think we should trade Kyrie? At this very second, no. This is me hoping that maybe the game's start and he, he feels he's missing out and then he maybe changes his mind. Obviously, we know Kyrie loves basketball. He's a people person and he'll, he'll want that kind of connection with the fans and it, also if the fans all kind of know back, it's all... All, all, almost normal again, and you, you kind of think he'd want to be part of that. I think if we're approaching the trade deadline and if we've made the decision he's not playing at all, I think you've got to to field some calls. It's it's a lot of money to pay someone to not to not play, and obviously he's standing to lose a hell of a load of money, and that certainly says a lot about him as a person and his beliefs that he's entirely entitled to that he's willing to lose millions upon millions upon millions to to miss games and yeah, fair, fair play for that, I guess. But another thing we were kind of saying, oh, is, is 40 games of Kyrie, all right. Yes, we kind of go like home away, home away. But then I, I did see a good comment on Twitter about Kyrie, granted last season that he was probably one of the lesser injury-prone players in the team. Um, but then he's got to have rest as well. What what about when we're on long kind of away stints? Does he take rests on those games? How... How, do, how does it then factor in when we've got a six or seven game home stretch and then we go away? How how, how can he prepare for that? Nothing 
yeah, you can train with the team, but you're not having that kind of match fitness. And yeah, again, it just goes back to what Aidan and, and I said, that there's so many questions and no answers. And I think there's only one man with answers and it's Kyrie. Nobody who's conversed with the Nets, articles have come out, nobody really knows because there's been so many different reports. But in terms of trading, there's definitely going to be teams interested in Kyrie Irving, despite what some would class as the baggage that would come with him. Um, obviously, not all the COVID rules are the same in other states, so so some teams would probably quite happily go, yeah, we'll take him. It doesn't bother us if he doesn't if he can't play here. So what? It's one game, but he can play every other game for us. But when you're missing a player for forty games, that that's a a considerable amount and something you've really got to think about. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with Cami. I, I don't think they, they trade him right now, in my opinion, but they may come to a stage where they potentially have to. And I think something that's not been talked about enough by journalists and just fans on Twitter as well is there's clearly going to be disruption here. This isn't going to be a straightforward situation. There's going to be arguments about this, about how it's going to work. Kyrie's not going to say, yeah, I'm not going to get vaxxed. And okay, yeah, you're just not going to play them. But that's fine, you'll, you'll play that. There's going to be disruption. Someone's not going to be happy. I don't know who that's going to be, but someone isn't going to be happy. I imagine Sean March isn't happy at the moment. I imagine Steve Nash isn't happy at the moment. You're not telling me that Nash is happy that he's lost his starting shooting guard for a uh, 45 games of the season he's gonna be raging about that so i mean in terms of when i say that they may potentially have to is i go back to saying obviously we, we don't know how long this rule is going to last if they are going to decide that they're not going to play them all together then they're they're stupid to not look to trade them but it's it's there's so many kind of things that come into play before they get to that stage where they're they're having those trade talks obviously kevin Durant came here with Kyrie Irving. He's going to have to sign off on that. You're not telling me that Kevin Durant and Kyrie didn't sign off on DeAndre Jordan getting traded, but that happens. So these things, these conversations do happen. So it could come to a business decision if Harden, Durant, Nash, Marks all come and decide, look, we don't think we've got the star power to be it, like to beat everyone in this league. Like obviously Golden State are coming back. The Lakers have gotten stronger. A lot of teams in the East have gotten stronger. I still put us as firm favourites. But if you're losing that one guy and then you're losing games that you think you should be winning, they may see it as a business decision and need to trade him. And, and obviously you mentioned Ben Simmons there, Matt. If you look at that trade on paper and both teams' situation, it probably is the perfect trade in terms of a business decision. But personally, I, I don't think he's a good fit for the Nets. And... And I just hate the idea of trading Kyrie to another contender. I just don't think it feels right. You you wouldn't want to see him performing well on another team. I mean, it's quite selfish, but you just wouldn't. And I think as well, it's it's just it's just one of these things where if you don't trade him and then you let his contract run down because I, I can't see Kyrie signing a new deal with the Nets and, and the Nets wanting to sign a new deal with Kyrie if they can't play him constantly and and then you're losing value and they don't want to do that either. So, yeah, I, I think it could come to a stage where they do look to trade him, but hopefully it doesn't come to that. And there's there's other dominoes that fall that mean that we could potentially get him for, for more games that we, than we think we're going to get him for at the moment. Nice. Yeah, Kirk's in the chat. He makes a good point. It's just like, is this acceptable for lower paid players or is Kyrie getting away with this as he's a superstar? 
Kyrie Irving is 100 percent getting away with this because he's a superstar. Um, yeah. yeah, if if Bruce Brown wasn't getting um, vaxxed and he was holding out and said no, we'd probably ship him out. This is 100 percent because it's Kyrie is a mercurial once in a generation kind of a talent. So yeah, it's and no, that's not fair, but it's like you say, it's it's a business decision. Um, I think if it comes to it and if you know, I don't think I can't see him um, getting traded away, but I can see him like almost retiring, not retiring for, you know, forever, but almost like in, in the WNBA when COVID was the first thing they they would like take the decision to not attend this year sort of thing. So I can see Kyrie being like, okay, cool. Like I'll step out this year, um, this season and, and see what happens. Um but yeah, I've got a feeling this isn't the last we're going to hear about this. Uh, this is probably isn't the last time you're going to hear about it on BKT UK. Um, but unless you guys have anything to add on this Kyrie piece, I think maybe we should talk about some basketball. What do you think? Sounds good to Sounds me. Good. Sounds good to me. Um, so yeah, we, we actually had some basketball um, this week. So as I said, we are recording on Sunday. Uh, no, we're recording on Sunday. We're recording. Yes, we are. We're recording on Sunday. But last Sunday, um, at, the, at the UK friendly tip time of eight thirty PM, uh, the Nets kicked off their preseason schedule against the Lakers. Um, obviously, a lot of people thought this might be a precursor to the NBA Finals for this year, um, but it was not exactly a star-studded event, was it, Aiden? <laughs> No, I mean, yeah, so the Nets opted, obviously, to go without, let's list these guys off, because it's, it's pretty much everyone that you'd expect to be starting on the Nets. So, KD, Kyrie, Harden, Harris, Blake Griffin, Patty Mills, and Johnson as well. So, I mean, you look at that as a seven-man rotation, they win the NBA championship right there. So, <laughs> I mean, if you chose not to watch this one, understand why, but I, I watched it because I was really intrigued to see how the Nets did, and they done really well. So, obviously, the, the Lakers played Anthony Davis, which is understandable, obviously, with injuries he had last year, that they're wanting to get as many games in as possible for him before we start. So, it was going to be a challenge, but it was just a really, really good opportunity to see what the Nets have beneath the stars. And, and you look at those seven guys, and then you look at who played on this team, and so many guys made an argument for those last two or three spots in this rotation. And I think that's what was the most interesting part about this game, and if you watched it, like the team is so deep, like they really are. If you if you look at that team, that team makes the playoffs, which is is crazy. But I, I think they would. And I mean, in terms of individuals, I think Millsap and Aldridge, despite their age, I thought they looked solid in the court. I thought they, they looked really good. There was a bit of rust, but both looked really able. And I think they're going to play big parts this year. Bruce Brown, obviously, he's taking his game to another level. Shooting-wise, Ben Brain Carter, they both look like really intelligent defensive pickups, which was really kind of refreshing to see in an Nets team. And so that's five rotation guys on top of the seven guys. And that's before adding Killer Cam, who was just insane. I mean, this kid is ready to play. He's just something really, really special. And right now, I can't see how Nash does not put him in the rotation. So there's going to be unhappy guys. You think there's five really good pickups. You've got the seven guys, and then you've got Cam as well. 
Even the, the, the Devontae Kaycock looked decent as well, didn't he? Like, they, they looked decent. It's just like, it's finding minutes for these guys. And I wouldn't like to be Steve Nash right now because he's going to have to, to put these guys in. And I think that's probably the, the only reason that he's not pulling his hair out about Kyrie is because he's got such a deep roster right now. So they can be happy, but yeah, there's going to be unhappy people. And Cam Thomas strikes me as a guy that is going to be really, really angry if he doesn't make this rotation. And I, I love to see that from him. And, He's really, really exciting to to see a young guy like that with that confidence. And yeah, I, I think he's the most exciting rookie we've ever had under Sean March, which is a big, big thing to say. But yeah, I can't wait to see how this guy does. So I'm going to yeah. sing the praises of Paul Millsap, who Eden touched on briefly and just took my own horn a little bit. In one of the 15 Minutes or Less episodes a few weeks ago, I said Paul Millsap was going to be this year's Jeff Green. And this performance, yes, it's pre-season this may have justified my comment, and now I kind of feel good and think I can now predict stuff. But I know the second we start predicting games, that's going to go out the window. But 10 points, 10 rebounds, if he can produce that on a regular basis, we're going to be laughing. That is exactly the kind of input that we needed from someone. We, we lost Jeff Green's numbers. He, he was kind of similar in that regard. He also, uh, Millsap also popped up with a few assists. And Yes, his shooting wasn't fantastic. He went four from ten, but he did he did sink two, two of four a uh, free attempt. So, yeah, early, early goings, and yes, he's now out with kind of health and safety protocols, and can only hope he's back soon. But the first showings of Millsap and Annette's jersey were, were very positive. On top of obviously Cam Thomas, who I think we're going to wax lyrical about throughout the season. Um, Nick Claxton was a huge favourite of us. Any single time he got near the ball, we were we were all chanting and all buzzing for him. But Cam Thomas, uh, yeah, this is this is different. Love that. Yeah, I, I I had a little bit of a deep just to wax lyrical about him, as you say. Twenty-one points off the bench, led all scorers for both teams with his twenty-one. Seven of fourteen from the floor, uh, six of seven from the line. So something we saw in summer league and something we knew about him coming in from college is the guy can get to the line. And when he gets to the line, he's incredibly efficient. So that's how he gets a lot of his points. He also dug in four rebounds, two assists and a block. Um, so a lot of people were saying that Cam Thomas kind of, he's just a scorer. Um, so he does have a lot of work to do in that kind of making quick decisions, um, get, you know, that court vision stuff. So to see him have a couple of assists in there um, is really, really positive. He did go one for three from three. Um, did have three turnovers, but literally it's a preseason game. So that I put that down to rust. Um, obviously, it's his first. He obviously did great in summer league, but that is again against draftees, against people that are kind of battling out for NBA roster slots. Whereas these, you would have thought that the, the um, ability level has just gone through the roof. Um, he did one, I think it was even his first Brooklyn Nets points was he almost got the ball tipped by Anthony Davis and there was a bit of like a scramble and it kind of went behind him he grabs it and just turns around on the turn and gets it in from sort of the the free throw line over AD and it was just like what a way to introduce yourself in Staples Center he wears number 24 for Kobe Bryant so you know he's gonna have enjoyed being there um and yeah and putting on a show what what a player after the game he said Scoring is scoring. I don't know why people always think stuff can't translate. Scoring is scoring. If you can score, you can score. It doesn't matter who you're playing against. And that just goes just absolute confidence and absolute just 
yeah, that mentality is absolutely incredible from such a young fella. I think he's only just turned 20, which is crazy. Um, and he said, they were giving me the mid-range, so I got a lot of pull-ups in the mid-range and the floater game. Uh, they were giving me the mid-range up, so stay with, stay with what the defense gives you. So, you know, that speaks to, you know, him reading the game and, and being a threat from deep, a threat from the mid-range, and a threat um, going to the... And if he gets to the basket, he's either going to score or he's going to take you to the line, which, you know, with, a, with, with talking as a team with so many offensive threats, adding Cam Thomas to this is... There's a, there's a reason why Twitter's been saying that it isn't fair that he fell to us at 27. Um, but yeah, what a guy. Um, yeah, just to, to echo your thoughts on Bruce Brown as well, two for two from three. Bruce Brown can score the three now. That's that's huge. So that's really, really cool. Um, didn't see a lot from Nick Claxton in this one. I think he fouled out early. Um, always close to fouling out. So I would have thought we saw more Nick Claxton in this Lakers game, but, but there we are. Um, and then it was on to, to game number two. So that was Saturday, just gone, um, 9th of October, at, back to the, you know, the early morning ones for us, half, half past midnight. Um, but the Nets going back to face the Bucks, um, and we took the win there as well, 119 to 115. Um, and I want to say revenge game for uh joe harris but i think we'll get onto that in a little bit but i just want to keep this cam thomas stuff rolling uh cammy what did you think of cam in uh and that's not going to get annoying is it cammy talking about cam thomas um that's not going to get confusing uh but yeah what do you think about our guy in the bucks game listen i'm i'm fully prepared to accept no longer being the favorite cam of the uk next fans <laughs> i'm always be our fully, favorite, mate. fully prepared um <laughs> this boy as we've already said is an absolute baller in Whilst his usage was nowhere near as high as it was the other night, he still came on and made a viable impact and just showed he's got clutch genes. The just a few of the points he grabbed at the end, I think he finished with seven or eight points, but it was just the the kind of two that he'd got. He he had the defender on his arse, and it was just this this is a guy who's not even really played well, he's not played an official league game yet. It's been pre-season and summer league games, and he's got such great confidence. Yes, it was like the Bucks like G team, it wasn't even, there was next to nobody in the team and Aidan and I were both kind of questioning who a lot of the guys even were and perhaps that's down to our own basketball knowledge um, rather than anything else but yeah, it was just Cam Thomas again, even in his limited time showed that he, he's got a lot to do, he obviously scored that lovely free to ice the game with about 30 seconds to spare and yeah, it's a small sample size, but like like we've said, I, I don't know how you can keep this man out of the rotation, and I think it's going to be interesting, especially with the Kyrie situation up in the air. Do do you just go all out and sh throw Cam Thomas right in at the deep end and start him when Kyrie's not there? And you, you have him alongside Harden in the backcourt, and I don't think there's many better people you can learn um, guard from than James Harden. I mean, I'd be quite happy with that. I can't say much about Cam Thomas's defence. I've not looked at him too much in that regard. But if we can kind of work something out between them, that is going to be that's going to be brilliant. And Kyrie's kind of situation might actually turn into a bit of a godsend for the Nets and sort us out for the foreseeable future. And we can only hope that Cam Thomas stays and it's not a case where we all get so attached and we end up flipping him for, for a few picks. Um, I'm going to say that now and just... Can I get that disappointment out of the way? Um, but 
yeah, it, it really looks a real deal. And as, as you said, Matt, it's, it's hard to believe that so many teams passed up on this guy because he certainly performed a lot better than guys guys drafted higher than him. So, yeah, delighted that we've also managed to get him. And long may this continue. I'm fully expecting a 30-point performance in the league at one point. Rookie of the year shout, do you think, in there? Cheeky one? I'd say so. He's got a chance. Mm, I, well, with Kyrie's situation, yes. If Kyrie comes and gets back and plays all games, not a chance. But I think if you can, even if you don't play as many games as your Cade Cunningham's and your Jalen Green's, kind of the guys you'd think would be the front runners, if you can play 40, 50 games in a Brooklyn Nets team with James Harden and Kevin Durant and make, make a lot of noise in that, I think you've certainly got to be in the first year of being a rookie of a year because it makes it so much harder trying to get noticed when, when you're playing with two, two of the best basketball players of the last decade and potentially three if Kyrie is there. So if, if you can make noise and do that, Cam Thomas certainly deserves to be in that conversation. But as much as we're getting carried away, I think it is important we don't get too carried away and, and end up disappointed. That's that's good advice. That's very good advice. I'm not sure we're going to listen to you, but it's very good advice. <laughs> we'll get carried away. Um, but yeah, just uh, to bring us sort of back down to earth, I thought I was a little, not disappointed, but it was a quiet night from, um, obviously, this is more of a full strength team against this Bucks team. So we had everyone apart from Kyrie, who's obviously ineligible, Millsap, who was in health and safety protocols, as we said. Um, Dayron Sharp was a coach's decision after we didn't touch on it, but taking an elbow to the face um, from Dwight Howard in that Lakers game, um, which was, you know, a cheeky cheap shot. Um, but we had pretty much everyone back in. Um, KD finished with 18 points in 23 minutes. James Harden, bit of a weird one, eight points, four assists, four rebounds in 24 minutes, going one of six from three. So obviously nothing. it's only preseason, so you can't really get too upset or anxious about anything, but it's just, you know, still ramping up to to their, to, to know what we, we, to sort of deliver what we know they're capable of. Um, and Pat, nice to see Patty Mills as well um, make his next debut. 10 points, three assists, two rebounds, a block, a steal, all in 20 minutes. So was really impressed with what I saw from, from Patty Mills as well. I know there's a lot of love um, on Nets Twitter for Patty Mills too. So all in all, of, you know, of the, I don't think there's two other, two other teams we'd like to have played in preseason other than the, the Lakers and the Bucks, just to see, although they're, they're preseason L, uh, dubs, they're obviously wins against the teams that are probably going to be Eastern Conference finals and finals, hopefully, if all things go correctly. Um, but yeah, nice to see. But preseason continues, um, and we're going to look ahead to the next couple of games. And we don't have to wait long. So Tuesday, our time, one a.m. Um, we're going to be facing the Sixers, and then a day off. And then on Friday, the fifteenth, half past twelve UK time, we have the Timberwolves at home. So we already know that Kyrie's not going to be playing. Um, against the Sixers, even though it's in Philly. So he, this New York City mandate isn't really going to apply. Um, obviously, it's a team that's in a bit of a spin with all this Ben Simmons news that hasn't resolved itself as yet. He still feels like he's sit, spitting his tummy, dummy out and not wanting to come and do his job that he's getting paid incredibly handsomely for. Um, we can do these together or separately, whatever you guys think, but over the next uh, couple of days, do you think it's going to be two more wins or do you think there's going to be any tests for this team? I think I think there's going to be two more wins, personally. I think the Sixers, 
yeah, it's going to be probably a, a tougher game. But I, I just think with our, our depth and over there kind of depth, like I think this will be another game where you're going to see everyone play. And I think it'll be the same for them. So I, I can see us us winning that one. Um, not that it, it doesn't really matter. Like if we win or we lose, I, I don't think anyone's going to be too upset. But I mean, going in, into the Timberwolves game, I think that's going to be the game where you're going to see a good indication of what they're actually going to do. Going into Tuesday, I can see that be the one where you're probably not going to see as many guys and it's going to be a probably a 10-man rotation and they're going to to see what they've got really. So that one, I'm probably more... I'll be more concerned about the result there than than the Sixers game. But again, it's like it's not a big deal. But yeah, I expect us to win both of these games and and keep the preseason sweep going. But yeah, two two wins out of two for me. Yeah, two wins out of two for me as well. I think the, the Sixers game, like Aiden says, will probably be one of those games where it's those five five to seven guys who could be at the end of the bench or kind of getting getting starter minutes every here and there, really fighting out, and this will be their last proper chance because I think Aiden's spot on in saying that Timberwolves game, that is the dress rehearsal for the season starting. That will be the game where we really should have a settled rotation at least for the first few weeks of the season all going well, have our kind of tactics all set up. Two two for two and it'll also be lovely to see D'Lo um, playing for the T-Wolves as well. Yeah, I mean... Was DeAndre Russell injured for a lot of last season? I'm completely spacing out. I've completely yeah. just forgotten yeah. he existed to a certain extent. So yeah, it'd be nice to see that um to see D'Lo. Um and I think we may have another some other former nets in that T Wolves team. I'm not quite sure. Um but yeah, it's a it's a clean it's another clean sweep for me. I think two wins um for the week ahead. Um we're actually gonna start making a note. Because we always predict these uh, the weeks ahead, but we're actually going to start making a note of these and start running them out on social, just so we can keep a keep a tally, keep a keep a score. See who's got the um, obviously Cammy's um, prediction on Paul Millsap came true, so maybe he's got the skills to uh, to make this uh, come true too. So we're going to keep on the socials, and I think the winner needs something. Well, I haven't decided what it is. We still need to have it. If you're listening to this or if you're watching along, let us know what you think the winner should get for the uh, the BKT UK Pick'em, uh, and let us know who you think is going to win uh, off the, the Sixers game and the Timberwolves game. Um, so that's all the stuff we have um, to look ahead to. Uh, we now have got some listener questions, um, which is really, really cool. Thanks so much. Um, you can always drop your listener questions into us if you're on our Discord channel, uh, if you're, you know, get us on socials. Um, but this one comes in from Tyler. Um, big up Tyler. He says, with the big three healthy, do you think we'll see less of Joe Harris in the starting five for a more defensive-minded forward such as Brown or Millsap? So intrigued to see what the new additions, with the new additions, sorry, how Joey Buckets fits in this year. I'll go to you, Aiden, because I think you were going to say some stuff about um, Joe Harris in the last game, but I think I steamrolled it over you. That's absolutely fine. I, I think <laughs> all I said about Joe Harris was that it must have been so good to see that first bucket go down against the Lakers after... Sorry, not against the Lakers, against the Bucks. I'm getting confused myself. After, obviously, what happened at the end of last year. So, yeah, he must have been really happy. But, yeah, to go what Cammy was saying, it's only pre-season, so... We'll wait until the actual thing. But in terms of Taylor's question, I think it's a really good question. And I think we'll see Joe starting to begin with. And I'm not 100% certain what the starting five is going to look like. Obviously, Tyler said there's new additions there. And there's so many different options that Nash could go with. But 
I think we'll still see something like Harden, Kyrie, Harris, Durant, and either Blake or Aldridge. And then for the days that Kyrie can't play, Bruce Brown will probably slot in then. Um, so it's, it's one of those, if it's not broke, then, then why fix it kind of thing. So I think to start with, you'll see Joe Harris in the team. But I do like the idea Paul Millsap starting. I think from what I've seen of him and, and the type of player that he is, it would be quite nice to have that size and, and defence in the front court, especially if Kyrie is going to be out for a lot of the games. Durant's going to see a lot more time in the ball, so you don't really want to put that pressure on him of being in power forward and get taking body blows all the time. So it'd be quite nice to to see him be the small forward and and have kind of that less pressure of of, of getting hit every five minutes. And, and Millsap can certainly take a body. So yeah, I I think Joe will definitely start. He's he's pretty essential to how the how the system works here, and I, I can't see them changing that anytime soon. Nor can I. There's always place for a high percentage shooter such as Joe Harris, especially a guy who's coming off a regular season where he was the best three-point shooter in the league. There's no team in the league that's going to put him uh, kind of by the wayside because he, he he fell apart in the playoffs. Yes, as disappointing as that was, we know what he's capable of. Players can have off games, and I know we were all all really raging that he got disappointed. There's so many. Ah, we should just trade him. He's earning a lot of money and whatnot. But yeah. There's definitely a place for Joe Harris in this team. I think Kyrie's situation is going to determine a lot of this. I think if if Kyrie's available, Harris will play. We played that quite a lot last season. And yeah, let's be honest, we've done all right. I don't think there's there's too many complaints. But when when Kyrie isn't there, we may we may opt to to go for something different. We could even put Bruce Brown at guard or something like that. We've seen that a few times. He's quite the versatile player and kind of get that defense there, but Ultimately, we know what Steve Nash is like. He loves playing a rotation roulette. I think there was about 40 different rotations and starting fives last season. So we're going to say Joe Harris is going to start, but so, so is everyone else in this team. And yeah, let's just hope that everyone who, who does start does well, everyone who comes off the bench does well and leads us to that championship. Nice. I like that. I like rotation roulette. It's absolutely perfect way to encapsulate what the party is. Yeah, nice. Pick, pick the starting five. Oh, crikey. Um, we'll, be we'll be here literally for hours, mate. <laughs> Not worth it. I think with, with, with Tyler's question, I think the boring answer is that it's going to be matchup dependent, um, especially in the playoffs where you've got a bit more time to scheme for your opponent. Um, it always kind of blows my mind when you hear that. Like, obviously, with football being the dominant, dominant sport over here, you know that you got your scout in and you, you know, you scout your team, you're going to play on Saturday or whatever, but basketball you don't really do that <laughs> because you play four games a week so you, you just kind of keep and keep on keeping on but when the playoff time comes around and you can scheme for a bit more as i say i think it'll be a bit more playoff dependent whether or not joe makes it into the starting lineup um but i'm with you guys i still think joe's a starter providing elite three-point shooting and floor spacing so everyone else katie harden and hopefully Kyrie, can operate there um However, with, as we touched on with Bruce Brown showing flashes of that free ball as well, obviously, what, two preseason games and we think, I'm not comparing him to Joe Harris when he shoots threes, but if sort of Bruce Brown starts getting respected as a three-point shooter and he can start, you know, the defenders on him have to keep a little bit more honest, then he can start pulling defenders each sort of towards him and, and let other people, um, other people operate. So, Short answer, I don't think we're going to see any less of Joe Harris. Um, 
personally. Um, especially, I think there's going to be a bit of a... I know generally that the first play we run when we come out in the first quarter is get the ball to Joe and get him to sink a three. And I think we're going to be sort of doing even... We're going to be even more um, keen on getting the ball into Joe Harris's hands, given how last season ended, I think. Just to, just to boost him up. You know, we've got Kyle Korver in, in the, on the bench, who's obviously a career three-point shooter, um, giving him sort of good advice. So I think that we're going to be doing a lot to accommodate and make um, Joe Harris feel very comfortable uh, this season. And deservedly so. Um, which leads us on to a follow-on question we got from Elliot from Hooping and Luton, again via our Discord. He says, should the fourth highest player on the roster be just a minor role player? Um, I have. I want to jump in first because I think this is a terrible take from Elliot because Elliot is king of the uh, Joe Harris um, holding to account committee. Um, obviously, love you, Elliot, but I, I hate this take so much. Um, yes, Joe Harris is the highest paid player on the team, but he's on literally half of what the third highest player is on. So it's still a very, very, very good value contract. Uh, led the league in three-point shooting three of the last four seasons. Incredibly durable as well. I don't think... I think he played in all the games last season apart from one. Um, I think also he's not just a minor role player at all. Just because you're not the primary option on offense doesn't mean you're a minor role player at all. Um, Joe, I did the... the I, this is how cheesed off I got with this question, right? I did... I went digging for stats, right? Uh, Joe Harris is the 72nd highest player in the NBA. Ricky Rubio, who's the backup point guard for the Cavs, earns more than Joe Harris. Eric Bledsoe, the backup point guard for the Clippers, earns more than Joe Harris. Gary Harris, the third choice shooting guard for the Magic, earns more than Joe Harris. This is It's just an incredibly good value deal for literally the best three-point shooter in the league. Um, I could go on, but I'm going to let someone else go. So whoever else wants to wants to fight Joey or Joey's corner for me. Why not? Ah, I'll jump in and, and, and help fight in your corner. So I actually <laughs> misread this question when you sent it over and seen that the fourth highest paid player. But I, get, I guess my, my answer still kind of applies. Um I think when you're playing on a team of KD, Harden and Durant, it would be quite easy to be seen as a minor role player. I think pretty much every player that's not a complete superstar would kind of find themselves relegated to a role player role. But you could be called a role player, but that doesn't mean that you're a bad player by any stretch of the imagination. Joe Harris is still a top, top player. And yes, we we paid him a lot of money and it's something that regularly causes disputes in in the Discord. But if we didn't pay him, Ultimately, someone else would have. You've listed off some of the players who I certainly wouldn't have over Joe Harris on better, de- oh, sorry, more expensive, bigger contracts than he is. But yeah, I think in normal teams, the fourth highest paid player should probably make a real massive impact. We're not a normal team, though. And Joe Harris still makes what I'd consider to be a more than a more than acceptable impact. And every every so often he goes above and beyond that and will go completely off and he, he's unstoppable. So, although I read that question wrongly um, when I was preparing my notes, I hope that answer still kind of falls in with the same thing and that Joe Harris is a valuable member of this team and to have Joe Harris as your fourth 
high-speed playing fourth-best player, if we're putting it kind of that way. Yeah, I'd settle for that. Yeah. Nice. I mean, it's just a situation in this league now where where shooters get paid. It's just what happens. It's like, would you class a shooter as a role player? I mean, it is a role, but they're so essential in this three-point shooting league, this three-point obsessed league that we're in now. And yeah, can you really make an argument for anyone else on the Nets to be paid more? I, I don't see who brings more to the Nets than Joe Harris and what he does in terms of points and his value as a shooter going into that team. And if, if you look at it logically as well, if you go back to last summer, it was you either pay him or you lose him because I think there would have been plenty of teams. You, you obviously mentioned like players like Ricky Rubio, Gary Harris and stuff like that. I remember the Hawks. There was rumours like the Hawks that were willing to pay him like £20 million a year to, to come and play for them. So... I think the Nets had their arm twisted and and yeah, Joe Harris probably could have went elsewhere and got more money. So when you think of it like that, we, we got a good deal. And I, I, I wrote on my notes initially, he's the best three-point shooter in the league. And you can still make an argument that he, he's maybe not. He's maybe top five at the very, very least when you think of guys like Steph and obviously Clay Thompson coming back. But in terms of consistency and and the amount of shots that he gets, you have to remember that Stephen Clay gets so many more shots than a guy like Joe Harris, but Joe Harris makes his shots at a much better clip. So I don't think, I don't have an issue with him being the fourth highest paid player on the team. And I think it's a necessity for a contender to have a guy like that. So you'd rather pay a guy like that than say we lose Joe Harris and then we pick up JJ Redick on a, a vet men and then putting that pressure on a, and agent JJ Reddick to do that role, which we do need, especially come playoff time. So, yeah, I, I don't have an issue with with paying Joe Harris, and I think especially after last season, I, we just need to look at it as a fresh start, clean slate for absolutely everyone, including Joe Harris, including including Kyrie Irving, like, and you just need to be get get behind the guys, and I think that's the the best thing that we can do for the team at the moment. And I can see why people are still angry with Joe Harris, but come on, like. It happens. It's happened so much in history and we just need to get over it and get behind our guy because we know how talented he is. He's still relatively young as well. So I, I back him to have a really, really good year this year. Nice. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And yeah, still love you lots, Elliot, but I'm not having it. I'm, I'm, I'm sticking up for him. Um, and I think that's, that's going to do us for this evening. Um, great to be back, lads. Um, we're going to try and do this every Sunday, every 9 p.m. So, you know, follow us on socials, um, get us on Twitch, get us on YouTube, get us on Twitter, get us on Instagram. Um, and yeah, we're, we're going to be talking Nets this whole this whole season. So thanks for coming along. Thanks for listening. Buy some merch uh, if you want to support what we do. Um, read my latest article on NetsRepublic.com where I discuss the struggle of being pro-vax and pro-Kyrie Irving. Um, and yeah, we'll see you next week and thanks for listening. Take it easy.